Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another special edition of Spin the Rally Pod. I'm David Evans and joining me today is Derek Dornsey. Derek is, of course, the team manager at Hoonigan Racing. But today he's more than that. Today is Wednesday, and Wednesday this week is, of course, the celebration of Ken Block's life here in Park City. It seemed a, a good time to sit down with Derek and talk about the, the memories he has of Ken the rally driver and, of course, Ken the person. So, Derek, thank you so much for joining us. You and, uh, you and I have known each other a long time. This is probably one of the, the saddest days to, to get together and talk, but just tell us a little bit, or tell us from the beginning, how, how did you first meet Ken Block? Um, via Lance Smith. Um, I met Lance Smith in 2003 when Mitsubishi pulled out the championship, and I came across to help Lance, uh, who was running two Mitsubishi cars, take on Pro Drive with Mark Lovell and Raman. And uh, you instantly... You know, he's another person, a bit like Ken, he's very charismatic and um, a massive lover of rally. Mm. And uh, he committed, you know, he committed himself to promoting the sport in America. So met him in 2003. Um, I'd left Mitsubishi 2004, went to RED, ran two world rally cars. And then at the end of 2005, I think October, Lance called me up and said, hey, we've got this uh, young kid that uh, Subaru want to take to uh, the World Championship and also as a team we'd like to be able to take in there as an American team. So um, he said Travis Pastrana had heard the name and he he said do you fancy you know discussing it so I flew in and um, you know Lance just you know great guy he just gives you so much confidence started working straight away and uh, 2006 uh, 2005 Ken had started driving for Lance Mm. And uh, and he was a sponsor of Travis, so when we went into the 2006 season, um, you know, it was uh, a full effort with both cars to try and you know win the win the championship. But just take us back. How so? You get the call from Lance. Yeah. yeah. Presumably, then you'd never really heard of Ken. No, not at all. So and and back in the day, probably there wasn't Google. How did, did no. you do any research? No, what happened was um, uh, I'd heard of DC Shoes, mm. uh, so that was discussed, but not really, you know, Ken. I mean, we were in, we might as well have been on Mars in the UK, do you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, but the, the first the first part of the, the conversation was the belief in Lance. Yes. So, you know, and, and be- the belief that he, you know, 2003, he really did a good job. So, um, and uh, I came across to have a look at the one sports car. And you, you know when you walk, you, you've, you've done it, you walk in a workshop and you either get a feel-good factor yeah. or it's a, not a frictional factor, but it doesn't feel right. And Vermont sports car straight away ticked the box. Did it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, the, you know, American people are super nice people anyway. Mm. 
but um, what it was interesting is you know you could you could you could feel the vibe and basically Lance you know just a fantastic person to work with, and obviously the interest was there with um, um, helping him out, but also you know helping the team elevate themselves to become a world championship team. So there was, it was a double whammy, but. The kicker was basically, um, you know, I think we, I think it was already in, in process, but having the cars the same, didn't matter whether one, one driver sponsored another driver, they had to have all the same machinery, same spares. So I said, I, I think the first event I spoke to them, I said, look, we're going to get identical machinery. And if we have only got one part, only one driver's going to get it. Uh, there's no favouritism. Uh, it, it's every man for himself on the stage. And, um, yeah, I mean, as I, I've just said here, they were a dream team. Mm. You know, and with Lance at the helm, it, it ticked a box. So. What about Ken as a as a driver? I mean, we we've seen the way that Ken's grown, you know, as a person, a businessman, and, and as a sportsman. But what was he like when you when you first met him? Um, he was quiet, and um, but he listened a lot. You know, you can see, you know, you talk to talk to them, and you can see that he takes it in. I can't. I honestly can't remember which one, which event it was. It must have been one of the. It wasn't Snowdrift, so it may have been Hundred Acre Wood. But um, we were travelling between two service points, and um, our radio just picked up a conversation between the two drivers. Mm. And uh, I'll never forget it. Ken said to Travis, "Right, this spectator point on this stage. How many donuts are we both doing?" <laughs> and I heard this, and like, you know, I'm comp- of competitive nature. I was like, "What the." F- going on here so i got the radio and i goes there'll be no donuts on this stage that's clear and, I, and basically i would imagine there was some hilarity going on in the car but um yeah they they basically some got some agreement that they'd, they'd entertain the crowd at the spectator points rather than stage times but that soon changed and um uh, ken and travis having the same machinery um uh, travis had edged ken slightly the first part of the season but they were so close. Mm. So, all, all, and then all of a sudden, the competitiveness gets a bit more and it gets a bit more. And, uh, you know, I had I, Ken asking me, I'm in the same settings as Travis, and Travis asking the same thing. And then I said to Travis, no, he's changed his settings. And then, you know, you can, by all means, you can ask him, or I can tell you, or you can try it. Um, but that, but uh, even right from that first year there was two really really well-known drivers that were doing the championship and i had in hundred acre wood i had one of them come up to me and say look um we're seated behind the, this car when i catch him you make sure he pulls over and lets me past and they never came anywhere close the rest really? of the year oh yeah the, 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 and, and, uh, and that was our issue was basically we dominated the championship with both drivers travis being you know more successful with titles but both of them were, were on it and um it was a toss of a coin to see who it was. Um, how how difficult was it for you when you know you'd spent so long in the world championship and that was really your life for, for so long, and then you came and you did what was probably the back then SECA or Rally America or whatever it was. You did that, but then suddenly Ken wanted to take you in a totally different direction with Jim Carner, with all of that. Yeah, I mean, one one thing I will say was basically when. You know, it's a national championship in America, but Subaru, uh, Christian Dell, um, you know, James Hunt at the time, um, they were very clever, and even Lance, they were very clever because they produced these posters. Yeah. These posters ended up being, you know, here, there, and everywhere, and it made the championship look bigger than it was. Yes. And it promoted itself. Yeah. So uh, it, there was some really cool, and obviously Ken had some influence in that. Mm. Um, 
but there's some, there's some really cool elements that basically, like, there was people driving four hours to, to come and get an autograph off Ken, off, off uh, Travis at the time, and then Ken came on board, but they wanted that poster. They wanted to yeah. see the DC sticker on it. They wanted to see a cool picture. It, hadn't, it didn't matter if it had dirt at the side and it covered the sponsors up. It had to be a direct picture. So when, so we'd gone through this whole process there, um, but Ken wanted more. Ken's mm. vision was for more. He, the, the Jim Carner um, series, um, you know, the, the, it led to so many different things. And, and you know, we, we, we signed with Ford at uh, the end of 2009 and starting 2010 series. And, you know, the majority of the senior sponsors that we had always wanted to know that we'd definitely do a Jim Carner. Jim Carner. So, yeah. that they, that, you know, they knew they were going to get the ex ex exposure that the, that the, the Jim Carner videos gave. But you, you mentioned before when, I can't remember which year it was, but you were in the car with Ken and Ken was talking about what he wanted to do and how are we going to pay for this? Mm. And and he had a plan, didn't he? Yeah, oh, I mean, uh, that was 2009. So we'd, we'd had this this domination of the sport and Ken's vision and Lance also, um, you know, could see the same thing. The story dies when, when the team are winning everything. Yeah. You know, the there was there was probably three or four drivers, but it became very dominant on our side. Uh, and Ken, we were coming up from running New York in August uh, two thousand and nine, I think it was. And um, Ken goes right. He said, uh, "What do you think about setting up a team?" And I'd had, I knew, knew he'd had like a, a small conversation with Lance. And uh, I said, "Yeah." And he explained. He had a pitch for like twenty minutes. Talked mm. a few things. Talked about why he thought it was possible. And um, um, then I, you know, I asked him one question. I said, "Oh, I said, how are we going to raise the funds to run this team?" You know, and uh, we knew we had we had monster money, but it it takes a fair bit to be competitive. And he goes, "We're going to make our money off Facebook and social media." And I was like, "Bloody hell!" You know, at that time, yeah. you know, Facebook was just laughed at as, yeah. as basically a, 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 a possibility to meet up with an old girlfriend or lost on family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, but he said we're going to do it, and he, he yeah. was completely and utterly clear. And, he, and like he started speaking in, like, he might have been Mandarin or whatever, and he was going like, you know, demographic and all these words that weren't in, yeah. you know, my my. Uh, Never been in your ne sphere. No, at nothing. All. Never heard of it before. But you know, he he'd come from DC, yeah. and you and then you get okay. We're going to just basically take uh, what's worked there, and he's going to spin it slightly, and he's going to go forward. And and even with Travis sponsoring Travis, it was it was exactly what he'd done with 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 uh, with Damien at DC yes. issues. Yeah. So everything was relative. So I must admit, at the time, it was like, I mean, I was in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and then... Was it a big deal, though, to jump from Subaru? Because from it, from the time that Ken came, you know, he did Jim, the first Jim Carners with Subaru, and he became, for me, it was almost he took over where Colin had, had sort of stopped. And was it a big deal to jump away from that? Um, it was, and I'll tell you the reason why. I mean, the first... The, the, it, it didn't feel like that to start with because the concept was going to be the first year, even if we, you know, we had a deal with Lance and we'd basically take the building next door, mm -hmm. still have a Subaru, but run everything else ourselves. Right. So, but then when Ford came along, it, it was kind of a more of a, like I love working with Lance, um, but we could see that basically the, the, the championship needed to go forward. It needed to have some opposition. We needed to go against Travis. Travis needed to go against us. There was a story there. Yeah, and um, so that that kind of worked, and then basically off the flip side of that, obviously Ford were quite interested in Jim Connor as well, 
Um, so that just set into motion the, the requirements of having a gym corner every year. And then obviously that was the beginnings of Monster World Rally Team. Correct. How was Kent always driven to get into the World Rally Championship? Yes, I mean I think that he um, he'd elevated himself enough and uh, th there was one key element, he, he, he kind of asked me a couple of times, am I quick enough to do the World Championship? And um, he pushed on a few events and like took chunks of time out of Travis. And uh, um, the nature of the American stages back then was you either got they've got quicker over the last decade, but before that there was they were more twisty. You know the logging trucks have gone through, they've regraded them, but they were really technical and rougher stages, and um, um, that's why it was quite interesting to see Travis and Ken both together and how close they were. That I was convinced that Travis was was quick enough to go to World Championship, mm. so hence basically Ken was. So he ended up going to do his first event, I think it was 2010, with a, with a, an M Sport uh, Focus, which was a story in itself. I mean, you know, I went in, sat in front of Malcolm and asked if we could hire a million dollar Focus. And he asked me who it was for, and I said, Ken Block. And he goes, oh, what does he do? I said, and I said DC Shoes, and, and told him a bit about it. And he's, Malcolm's one-liner was, I oh, see, so you want me to loan a million dollar focus to a shoe salesman from America, you know? <laughs> so, uh, um, but well, went, you sold him on it, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, he, he basically just kept on looking at me and I just, I mean, I must have been speaking Mandarin because I just copied exactly what Kenneth said about <laughs> demographic and all this kind of thing and it seemed to work, you know? But, you know, to be fair to Malcolm, he, he, he you know, he trusted the, the, the idea of doing it and Ken went to Mexico and uh, I can still physically see the, the timing screen now. So, when we went to Mexico, we wanted a pre-event test. It was in Greystoke in the snow. <laughs> Perfect. And it was like, I was like, oh my god! Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to feed Ken to the wolves here. You know, yeah. And there's no hiding place at the front of the, of the World Championship back then. Uh, so uh, he goes into the first stage, and we had this little chat, and we said, let's just like play ourselves in and not risk anything, and just you know get back to the first service after four stages. So. Um, Split times were available back then, yeah. Which we, which was good and bad, yeah. um, but you just you, you can't take your eyes off them. So when Ken's about to start, um, okay, we we're all looking fairly even. Do you know what I mean? There's bits of gaps, but it's not, no one's having a major problem. So I'm thinking, yeah, if we get like twelfth, maybe yeah. or eleventh, to be like a bonus. And Ken came back with seventh fastest time on the first split. That was that. Like, you know, like my, my, my feet are rocking. You know, like, bloody hell! Like second split, second split, second split. And I was holding my breath, seventh quickest again, no. And then I just, you know, you have that feeling that someone stood behind you. Yeah. And it was Malcolm. Really? And he said, how's your plan for just taking it steady going through <laughs> the first one? And uh, I, think, I think Ken finished 10th uh, after the, uh, the first loop of stages. But even with that, I mean, he ticked a box. Yeah. Because he'd beaten some drivers that had been around and driving those cars for like a season, you mm. know. So and they were not easy to jump into those cars no. back in the, those two liter cars, were yeah, no? They were, they were fairly challenging. And I mean, hundred acre wood has always suited Ken, so we picked Mexico knowing the terrain would probably be an easier step yeah. in than some of the events in the World Championship. But you know, it was uh, you know we had Brian there, yeah. we had Ron there. I had my credentials taken off me because they wouldn't post. Um, press releases overnight, they didn't want to do that, they wanted to be dynamic, they wanted to just get, 
social media posts on it, not yeah. not you. You know, you could take a you could take a Mexico two thousand and eight and Mexico two thousand nine and really read into the same kind of press release. Yeah. So, but I got brought before the the, the media uh, delegate and given the right act, and then the boys went maybe borrowed a, a sticker off a BBC TV uh, bonnet and that went on their car. I got <laughs> taken in the second night over that. So that so for like. Four events when the car came back into the in control, I'd have to stand with the spectators because I've got no accreditations. Jeez. So, but you were—I mean, you were kind of movers and shakers, weren't you? You weren't going to fall into that same way of no, doing it. We definitely weren't going to do it, and we tried to explain it. And we pushed for, you know, Ken to run the car number, the car, car forty-three. When that, that was yeah. not possible, we spent—I spent with Brian. We spent a long time showing them what it does for NASCAR. It's, yeah. it's a driver's name versus a number, so. And, and that generated merchandise and it generated yeah. interest. So, uh, and now what happens now is the Formula, exactly one, the Formula one drivers pick their number, the, yeah. the World Championship pick their number. So, in some way, you know, in some ways, again, Ken's visionary, that was back in uh, 2010. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, everything that he's done and everything that we've done has had an impact somewhere, which is nice. There's a nice feeling, but but you, sometimes you have to take two steps back to see what, what's, what's changed. Yeah, that was, for me, that was one of the things with Ken, that, you know, he worked so hard with you as a driver to, 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 to develop and to bring on that performance and everything, but under, kind of underlying all of that was the business aspect of he had to get his videos out, mm. he had to be ready with the social post, and mm. it, it kind of one fed off the other a little bit, didn't it? It did, and we, we, as I say, we had a really good team they called them the bloody americans the fia did and um you know they it worked i mean it was frustrating yeah. sometimes like dealing with them because they got no, no planning it was just reactionary but yeah. that's what you had to do yeah i mean you know uh, i actually got called in front of the property stewards o obama can't jim Carner. that sticker really? that was on the rally car we put it on there and the fia called us in to say take it off the car and it had to come off yeah but I was like, when, when, when have you ever been calling to stewards to take a, a, a sticker a, off a car? car. So, um, what, how did that all sit with you though? Because I mean, that was so different to what you'd grown up with working with Andrew Cowan and, mm. and the likes of Phil Short at Mitsubishi. Yeah, I, I think for me, I mean, when we when he first talked about splitting with Vermont Sports Car, then and Ford came along, it mm. kind of changed the, the party. Um, but um, the more you work with them. The more you couldn't not understand that this was like, I mean, I was brought into the concept of changing the motorsport as well, you know. Yeah. So, computer games were just coming out. You could see that the the, the interest was there, but we needed a kicker. We needed something, somebody to be different. Yeah. And you know, in Mexico, that first uh, event, you know, I think the first day service when Ken came back in, you know, people had already lit. Uh, understood what he meant and, and the service was rammed yeah. I mean I can remember Loeb and the, and the two girls from the, from the PR department just standing there in disbelief about what's going on here I mean we had to drag him away to have something to eat and something to eat uh, to drink before he went back out again you yeah. know so it was not, that was true because you know in Mexico specifically he was just adored and mm. Pete, they went wild for him and like you say he'd got an, an ex-time world champion like Loeb sitting mm. there relatively un unmolested and Ken mm. they would I mean I remember some events they would have to bring extra security oh yeah we had the barriers over that first year you know so but all, all along I mean Ken with with Ken you know there's this stigma about you know 
paid drivers and mm. there's a lot of you know there's not a fat just off the top 10 but people that enjoy go rallying but we can i can absolutely promise you that we we did things that the works teams weren't doing to really? prepare him for that were legal yeah to prepare him to be best possible he could for a two-pass recce on a world championship rally we did everything we possibly could to help him and he drove us to find find a way find a method find this find that mm. and he he was the he just basically drove us all the way up. And this, I mean, this is something that you you said to me all along as well. Is that you were you were never about being gentleman drivers. That wasn't no. what he you know no. he had a talent and he wanted to push it. So he, he you know he wanted to be accepted by his peers. Yeah. You know and 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 but he only wanted to be accepted if he could prove that he was basically quick enough to gain the top ten, and he did it. Mm. So. And it's it you know it's quite interesting to see what's happened in the last week with posts and everything that's gone on where his peers have actually, you know, shown affection and shown re respect to him. Mm. He'd love it. So, but going back to Ken as we went through through and everything that happened, um, and everything that we did. I mean, you know, reflecting and looking back at what he'd done. He was a works driver for Subaru. He was a works driver for um, Ford for eleven years. He was a works driver there for Audi. Um, that's not easy to, to do no. because they bought they all bought into his vision his idea yeah. of basically they're going to see a return on investment from the social media and he'll but not only that they knew that he would basically definitely be in an area where he'd flip it around for them yes you know if they you know and and he was very very good at basically doing the work of um, the PR people mm. in the company or helping them to do yeah. the PR. To, yeah. You'd, you'd mentioned there, you mentioned obviously uh, Ron, Ron Zaris and Brian Scott, who were the first two kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you couldn't really call them PR people because they were creators, weren't they? You know, they oh, they created me a lot of problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they created sure me they so do. many problems. But they also created some incredible videos and they, you know, they were the beginning, they were part of, of, of obviously Jim Carner. Um, and and that I mean, who could have believed that essentially you know in, 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 when you look at it from from sort of top down, he goes into a car park and does some donuts. Mm. It, I mean, I can't imagine that. But each one seems to be on around fifty odd million. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's you, but you've got to you people that watch the videos and know full, so you've got to entertain them. You've got to entertain yeah. them for nine minutes. You've got to yeah. make them want to Which look. It's not easy, is it? It's not. I mean, it's basically you know we went from tricks we went to different locations to hit it we, we, we put tricks and locations into it so everything everything's basically looked at trying to uh to manipulate the the story and to go forward and be different you know which was your favorite one um i think uh i think when we first introduced the mustang in los, los angeles it was such a hard build so i think i think if you ask that question of everybody that they'd all have different jim garners but for me it's, it's the spectacle of turning it around and the last minute things with the car and for Ken to get in it and, and, we, and the first shot was in Chinatown and everything's so tight and it's not in Jimmy Corners we've got this great big Mustang and we couldn't remove any of the furniture because it was in a, 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 um, a heritage area so it, it was like it was so fingers crossed job um, but was the, that the one that started with the wheel spin and the car was chained no that, in in, uh, in 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 Chinatown I can't remember what we started with that was later on. That was with the with the, when he'd got the turbos on the yeah, car, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That, the, I mean, you're obviously you you ran the team, but also a lot of the engineering side was was down to you. And whose idea was it? You know, you've got this 800 horsepower Mustang. Mm. 
what on earth possesses you then to think, I know, we've got these two Garrett turbochargers, let's just lob those on and, and give us 1,400 horsepower. But we, again, what, what we go back to, you had to be different. So we had the Mustang, like, yeah. what can we do with the Mustang? And then it's like, they throw wild ideas at you like that. You, you cuckoo, you know? <laughs> but then, yeah, for sure, it's, um, it's definitely, um, you have to reinvent and one thing with the cars we try and reinvent the cars as well right yeah which you did i mean with incredible success the note that was a 1965 mustang that was reinvented once and then reinvented yeah. again and it's just been done again now for leah who's got the car in 1800 horsepower if quick as it's ever been you know 1800 yeah now we ran it on the um, on the mustang versus the world with leah driving and uh, we had to we had to play about with the engine mapping so it's like a drag race against each other. We, yeah. we had more power on one, and we backed it off a bit in another. So, but yeah, again, we reinvented it. And we've got we've got more media out of it for small books. Yeah. Now, just I mean to touch. Obviously, Ken ran really sort of two seasons in in WRC, um, and I felt he never really got the recognition mm. that, because people would see him come along, and you know there was the odd accident, there was the odd issue with the car. But what people didn't understand was what was going on in the background mm. with Ken. You know, he was going to those events. He'd never been to them before. Mm. Uh, he was turning up for, for the first time. And for me, he was delivering a, a level of performance that was beyond what you'd really expect. What was your, when you look back on those two years, what were the highlights and, and what's the reflection on them now? Um, uh, I was really happy where we ended up. I mean, the thing was, I don't know, I think it was the second year in France, I mean, OJ was pushing for to take a podium, yeah. and um, it was tricky conditions. There was a bit of discussion about car setup. We were going to soften the car up. Ken beat OJ on that stage, really? and OJ was on the money to try and. And it, it, I said to him afterwards, "Where was that?" At? And he goes, "I just felt really natural." And how many times have you heard a driver say that? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's. The championship for me was tighter back then, and you know the the you could drop a few seconds and move clearly out of the top ten. So, mm. but all all in all, I'd say that when you look at the when you look at the what happened there and what our performances and um, you know, Ken went big or went home. Yes, Do you know yeah. that there, there was no there's no we weren't going to be world champions. We were out there for him to enjoy it. Yeah, but also we did want a result. We mm. weren't going to be your, your normal. You know, turn up and enjoy it, and maybe not even do the last leg. Yeah, you know, we we yeah. always put everything we could. Yeah, sometimes he went big, then went home early, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> and normally I had to go and speak to Malcolm about the <laughs> going big because basically they take a long time to get back to the service area. Yes, absolutely. But it, it, was there a frustration for you that you you could see this guy had talent, and perhaps if he'd come five or ten years earlier, how good could he have been? That's that's what's really um, sticks in your mind now because you see his daughter, yeah, at, at, at fourteen in the Mustang, at fifteen in a rally car, and she's got a spark, mm. and the sparks can spark, but she's her talent now is far superior to her years, so it, it, it always crosses your mind what would happen if he'd have come in earlier or had, but then again, it's if but so what's he had the money. Mm. Once he sold DC to be financially stable, and, uh, and uh, but then all of a sudden, hey presto, he's got a sponsor on board that's paying him. The monster's been in with him for seventeen years. Yeah, yeah, that, and he, you know, in many ways, monster is him, and he is monster, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. You know, it, it is. They are hand in glove with each other. But 
obviously as we move forward through the years there were different projects but the one thing that always remained with with ken was this <clears throat> desire to come back home yeah win the american championship uh and you know i wrote in a in a piece that that's on dirtfish.com you can go and read it now um about ken and there was this part you know last year i followed the championship very closely and there was this element element that I didn't want him to win because, you know, with Leah coming along and Lucy and everything, I didn't want uh, Ken to walk away from the championship. You know, he'd been such a big, big part of everything. And I thought, well, if he doesn't win, then, you know, he'll definitely be back next year. He wanted it so badly, didn't he? We did. I mean, we they're, they're collectively trying to win that championship over a number of years. And mm. in 2013, we came close. Um, but then we didn't have a full season then because we were, we were busy with filming or we were busy with rallycross or whatever yeah. so but it, it was it, the concept was to come back and give it a real good go last year and um i didn't see it being just a one-off i think we would got three more years just in theory but it's kind of like that we we wanted to follow the championship with the rally too we thought mm. that was a good way to go we thought it was a good financial way to go um so but a bit, i mean just Incredible the way that Ken jumped into to this. So sorry, last year's car, the the Hyundai i20 Coupe WRC. Again, you know, a, a completely different car really to mm. what he'd been used to, mm. um, and to with all of the aero and everything, and to do the job that he did. In terms of, I think it was four wins. He he led for more stages. He won more stages than anybody. It was an incredible year for him, wasn't it? It was. It was a, it was a brilliant year. It was really challenging to start off with, and but. Ken's maturity, like, you know, he he, he got this, you know, you, you remember when, like, Mackinac would basically be on a massive charge and then he'd take big risks and maybe he'd take a bumper off, but all of a sudden then he wouldn't mark the car. And Carlos did yeah. the same thing. Ken did the same thing. He had the accent in the Olympus. And then it, 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 it triggered, um, you know, we have to finish. Yes. And the first thing is we have to finish, and then it's basically it has to be one or two. Yeah. So and it was and it was and then you know it's it's by it's by freakish chance that Travis never won an event yeah. and never stole the points off Samanek or us. So I'm happy that basically we we gave it everything. I don't I, I really gone back over it a number of times, um, but he gave it everything as well. When we when he had the accident in Olympus, it was down to we had to win in Oregon. I didn't make big pressure of it until right before the start, and I said he said oh what you know laugh you know he's laugh. What's the target? Yeah. You know, big risk and all this kind of thing. And I said, no, you've got to win the event. Mm. It's not seconds, not enough. And we've got to take at least second in the power stage points. And what was he like then? Oh, focused. Yeah. He's focused. And um, and then we talked about the whole thing about, you know, like it, the old Ken block would be like trying to win the rally on the first stage. Yeah. But you could see with Samanak and the cars are so close that you have to do it, you know, you've got to think about it a bit more. Mm. And it is fair to say, you know, we're not, we're not here to talk about good luck or bad luck but if that deer had just stayed mm. in the bushes for a bit longer on uh, that was, it was 100 acre wood 100 acre wood mm. yeah then he would have been champion yeah and um, you know also we didn't um, we didn't basically uh, we didn't um, we didn't capitalise on snowdrift so yeah yeah no that's true that's true and now so how obviously we'd got the the rally 2 car was coming in um, for for this coming season, had Ken actually tested that yet, or no? No, because we're in safari. <laughs> of course. So we signed that deal when we we're in safari, and um, we had a one day test laid at really, and uh, that test didn't go that well. 
So um, we had a puncture and then went off the road and ripped the rear turret out. Right. So he had like 20 miles worth of uh, tests before Undertaker Wood and then still almost won it. That, so that was, sorry, that was last year's car. Had he tested the, the car he would have used this year? No. Had he been, no. Because uh, that would have been, again, it would have been quite a different car to drive, wouldn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, working with 2C competition, yeah. uh, extremely impressed mm. with... Um, they understood what we were about. We understood what they're about. Um, it was an open shop on what we, what we wanted to try and do. Um, so what they'd done is they did a test, development test in France before Christmas. Um, because, you know, we got out of uh, Jim Carner filming uh, late in the year and we didn't have time to, with Ken's schedule. And then basically what we decided to do was basically the 2C would do the base setup with that car. Yeah. And then we'd pick it up. Hundred Acre wouldn't have a two-day test. Right, right. Well, what, one of the things that, that's just struck me: we're just out of Ken's celebration of life service, and obviously you, you, and a whole load of people spoke about Ken tremendously eloquently. Um, and Travis stood up, and, and one of the things that he said was he'd never seen Ken happier than than last year. Mm. And that's true. You know, we saw. Ken had evolved from that businessman with real aspirations in the sport, and he'd achieved so much. But then last year there was there was a different element to, to Ken's competition, and that was his daughter Leah and his his wife Lucy mm. competing as as Team Hoonigan, and mm. it, it was different, wasn't it? There yep. was a real evolution in the way the team worked. Well, the girls delivered. I mean, you know, Lucy podium twice uh, twice on the open class. Four-door open class. And Leah uh, in the top ten in a two-wheel drive yeah, car. Yeah, and Leah was basically doing really well until she had a, uh, an accident on the test in Hundred Acre Wood, and then we had to catch up with the car. But yeah, I mean, you know, in some respects, the, the year previously, like you know, you, you, you look at everything that goes on, and basically we had a we had a good we had a good three-car team. So um, yeah, I. Uh, Ken uh, was enjoying the rallying, he was enjoying the competition. I think he, I think Ken was happier in himself. Yeah. I think he was happier with his driving. Mm. He was definitely, like, he made a big jump a couple of years ago in Rally Barbados where he beat the locals, and then he had a monumental battle backles at Rally Legends two years running, like, literally, like, winning by seconds, but it pushed him. Mm. And he was quick on safari. Yeah, he was quick, right, f f quickest on the first stage. You know, that was Mr. Richard was getting a bit nervous on that, and um, but when you when you, you look at Ken's mannerisms, mm. and this is a lot of things with the young drivers now, they they have a tell like a car player, and you can tell when or not it's going right, and you can tell when or not it's they're not telling you what it is, mm. and you can work with Ken for sixteen years, you can see he's in the comfort zone, yeah, and and I think that he his happiness was because he was happy what he was doing, yeah, yeah, there was I mean. We sit here surrounded by these beautiful mountains in, in Park City near to Ken's home and there was a contentment, wasn't there, with, with, with life for Ken? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, all the way through his life, I mean, we've come out of his remembrance service and people write back from, you know, Damien Way and all the, and the, skate, the skaters and everybody came into contact with him, whether it was motocross or whatever. Everybody understands that Ken pushed everybody. It might not mm. seem... Obvious, obvious sometimes, but he pushed them, but he wanted to see them succeed. Mm. And, and, and that was a, a massive thing for Ken. When, his, when Leah was so quick, and I mean, he loved the concept, he was quick. He was like an excited, excited child. The same with Lucy. Mm. You know, I send the stage times through, 
and she's quick. She's, you know, she's in like top five time. He he, he appreciates that, and he, you know, so um, a unique person and a unique unique approach to not just um, business, but pleasure. Mm. But uh, would would his family was everything. So all in all. Um, you know, there's there's not many people in this world, or, or even professional drivers, that I would be surprised if someone could say a bad word about Travis Pastrana and Ken Blocker in a different league in that area. And um, it's testament to Ken that he's his uh, vision, um, he's he, he become an icon, he become a legend. It's a very uh, thrown about term, but he really mm. did. Could you? I mean, could you believe it sometimes when you and when you were with him and you were perhaps out of away from rallies, maybe travelling or something, and, mm. and he would still be recognised. Yeah, we did. We went to Cardiff. I can't remember what it was for. We were in Cardiff at one point, or Swansea, and um, we... Uh, Ken loved Nando's. Right. So we, wherever we went, I knew I had to find, see where the closest Nando's was and have it at hand. Yeah. But he found... Um, we found a Nando's, and uh, you know when you... He's, walk, he's walking with no, no kind of obvious team gear on. Yeah. Um, we wandered into Nando's, and instantly this guy was not sure, and you could see him doubting himself. Yeah. We went for the meal. He came and served him, and he looked a bit further. And and Ken and we both knew what it was. So Ken didn't talk when he turned up, and um, uh, somebody else started looking in the shop. Then and you can then you can see the the someone googling just to try and check. Yeah. And then there's, there's like people <laughs> nudging people. But as we walked out, this guy that first noticed him. He's, he's like now he's like peering as he goes out, and we walk past, and as we've walked out of sight of the the front of the shop, I ran back and goes, yes, it is Ken Block, <laughs> and uh, you know this this guy's like out like a million dollars with with a with a napkin from Nando's trying really? to get signed, yeah. But it but it was it, it, wherever you went, wherever you went, he basically was recognised. Yeah, and it, I mean that brings it does bring a strain uh, on you, but. You know, one memory that I have last year when we were in Ohio uh, and you were going straight off to Pikes Peak and you'd literally got the the engine running on the hire car to take mm. you to the private plane to take you over to Colorado. Um, and as soon as they came over the line, Ken had to jump out of the yep. car and run with you to make the plane. And as he was running, you know, I was running to keep up and we were doing an interview on the run. There was a young lad and his father that had obviously stood there for a long time and you were kind of tapping your watch, come on, get a move on, and Ken wouldn't leave mm. until he'd done the photo and yeah. the autograph and everything yeah. with him. Yes, yeah, so, and, and, and normally the, the process is like, we, we have one or two people there, I'll tap my watch, he'll still sign them and I know that. Which when we have five in, yeah. you're, like, you, you're almost pushing him along. But he, he was a man for the fans. I mean, without him, without the fan support, you're nothing. Yeah. And it's even more important now with the, with the reach of social media. Yeah, and he it's get, incredible, like you said, that he got that. Mm. You know, what are we now? Thirteen years ago. And 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 the kicker kicker there is basically like uh, he appreciates that people may have been waiting for five minutes, ten minutes, an hour. Mm. So it's it's a minimum thing you can do to spare someone fifteen seconds to have a photograph taken and sign an autograph for them. Yeah, uh, it is. But if I if we take you back to to that phone call with with Lance, could you believe that a, a, a shoe salesman from America would? I mean, it's changed your life, hasn't it? Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, you know, this was going to be the 17th year with him and uh, we've still got plans. And yeah. We were, 
and still great mates. You know, ah, that was, that was that's, a, that's the that's probably the you know I mean I've lost a friend, mm. but uh, yeah, he got respect for my thoughts and my ideas. I got massive respect for him, and uh, you know we get round to when when the when the calendar was like when we were quite open to choose what we want to try and do we'd sit down and go what do you want to do next year and we'd agree if I wanted to do something he'd do it really so he'd and, ask you as yeah well. what, what do we want to do and if, 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 if you you know I said to him you should go and do safari classic and he was like ah, mm. but he, he'd, he'd already tried to do it and I goes oh this could be the uh, this you know yeah. Richard's cars are good there's a good option um, and um, yeah we, 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 we took it up uh, he was he was he was one on his own uh, and I mean we talk about the the legacy of of Ken Block. It, it, nobody will ever fill those DC shoes, will they? I mean, he's he's such a big character and a big guy. I, not, I don't see anybody at the moment. I mean, if someone's clever, they should follow what Ken's hmm. direction has been. Take something that's successful, improve it, and run with it. So, yeah. when you look at it as a as a whole um, experience in life and an education. Um, I'd done a lot of stuff in rallying, but they just literally just ramped everything up, mm. and it was like a, a roller coaster. You had to fight to keep keep up with them. Yeah, maybe the legacy is is Leah, and you know that's everything crossed, and and hopefully she will stick with it. You know, I mean, it's a, an absolute tragedy what the family have been through, um, but she is a rare talent, isn't she? She's she's a rare talent. She's basically um, she's definitely got a dad's genes and a mum's genes. And uh, that that'll that'll do her well. But the thing for me is, um, Ken wanted to give them the opportunity to either go running or do whatever they wanted to do, whether mm. it was trying to go to the moon, or whatever. He would support them, and he would tr he would he would try and help them to do that. And uh, that's a quite ab admirable um, yeah, way of looking at life. He was, so, he was a dad, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, was a dad, it? and he was a proud dad. And um, you know, now we we Ken being taken away from us, it's important that. Um, it's still an option to offer the, the three of them the, the, the opportunities they want. Mm. Derek, thank you very much. It's no been problem. A, a pleasure, as always. <laughs>